This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. Let's run our mouths here and see if we can come up with a winner tonight in a couple of NBA playoff games. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by MGM. She's Chelsea. I'm Jinx. Game two, Eastern Conference first round matchup between the Nets and the Sixers. Sixers lead the series one game to none. Sixers laying 10.5 points tonight in Philly. The Sixers are minus 500 on the money line. The Nets are plus 375, and the total is 213.5. This is a big number, Chelsea. Are you going to lay it, or are you going with Mikhail, Brooklyn, Bridges, and the Nets? <laughs> oh, man. I don't think I'm laying this number. I think if I was leaning a direction, it'd probably be towards the Nets getting the 10.5, but we've seen that the Sixers have been a matchup nightmare for the Nets, and Nick Claxton cannot do anything to stop Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid had 26 points last time around, and also the fact that if the Sixers can get to the free throw line, that's where they really can cost you. Last time around, they went to the free throw line 16 times and shot 100%, did not miss a single free throw in that game. So if they're finding ways to drive to the basket and get those fouls called on them like they were last game, I think they have a pretty clear path to victory but doesn't it feel like you know just a gut feeling that says oh maybe the Nets can keep it a little bit closer this time like maybe they're not going to win but I don't think it's going to be back-to-back drubbings or is it it has the potential to there's no question about that so that's the thing with these games and this is one of the bigger mismatches in the playoffs where I don't think anyone coming in would have said oh I think the Nets can take care of the Sixers the Sixers are clearly a better team but a couple things I would say when it comes to this matchup is that a playoff basketball tends to be more competitive so yes the Sixers dominated in game one they could absolutely blow out the Nets in game two no question but just like we saw last night the only always for higher lower the only higher seed that won was the Denver Nuggets every other matchup that we saw saw the lower seeded team win outright and here when you look back at how game one sort of unfolded the Sixers are a team that for a lot of times during the season they didn't get a lot of bench production or at least the bench production that they wanted to get and I don't think that's something that they necessarily will get in game two. That was a bit of an anomaly. So when you're talking about a number of 10 and a half here, I I see a little bit of regression from the Sixers bench. And also the Nets 15 and 10 against the spread as dogs 
on the road this season. I understand the playoffs are different, but I just cannot lay double-digit points here. I just can't. Yeah, I won't do it. Like, it's nets or nothing for me. I'm probably leaning towards nothing uh, because, like I said, it is a matchup nightmare, I think, uh, for Nick Claxton down low having to go against Joel Embiid. But there are other ways to play this. So let's talk about maybe some props. Mikael Bridges has been the star of the show for Brooklyn. Even in a blowout loss, scored 30, shot the most of any player on the Nets squad, uh, shot it 18 times, converted on 12 of those, also two of four from the three-point line. His prop tonight is 26 and a half. I do think he's going to be the primary scorer once again for the Nets, but the sabotage factor is that's still a pretty high number. He can score 26, yeah. so you don't get this. It's still a great game. So maybe that's what I'm staying away from, but I don't know. I don't think that there is a way for me to want to play this game. Is there anything else that you're seeing here? Not really, I have to say. May I think you're right about Mikel Bridges. I think if you're going to play a points prop, he's been the go-to guy for that. And I didn't even realize, I was reading this, I had forgotten. I'd forgotten that he went to Villanova and then was drafted by the Sixers and played for the Sixers, or didn't even play for the Sixers. He was on the Sixers roster for about 50 minutes before they traded him to the Suns. And I don't even remember the guy that they got him for, the Sixers, but he played like a total of 12 games in the NBA. Total in his career. So imagine being the Sixers and you're playing a guy like Mikael Bridges who has been absolutely brilliant especially this season, and thinking, dude, we traded away this guy for someone who played a total of, of 12 games total in the NBA, and he could be a part of this roster right now. That's a killer. But I I, 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 I think you're right here. I would go with, with Mikael Bridges if you're looking for a player prop. All right, here's one more that I just saw. P.J. Tucker in the first game had five steals. I had to double-check this. I was like, oh, my God, five steals? Today, if he gets one steal, just one, he hits mm -hmm. his player prop. Is this worth a look over a half steal for minus 140 for P.J. Tucker? What am I not seeing? Does he normally rack up steals? I don't know his steal stats. What does he average per game? Like, is this, I understand it's a half steal, but if you're talking about a guy who generally doesn't steal the ball, it's all relative, right? Right, uh, because I think that is probably the case. Uh, he's averaging half a steal for the season. Do you think defensive mm. metrics go up in the postseason, though? Because I thought about this. Like, think about the postseason. The defense gets ramped up. So if you're looking at season averages for defensive metrics, steals, blocks, whatever, do you think they go up in the postseason? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe a touch. I, I would think, I, I know this, defense tends to ramp up overall during the postseason. Right. But I also think you, so yeah, I would say probably, yes, it trends in that direction. But also when you're talking a guy like, uh, to, for a guy like PJ Tucker, like how much run will he get in this game for him to hit that total? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. 
The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You know, especially in the playoffs, because a lot of times rotations will change and the players that are mm-hmm. substituted will change based on the individual matchup or the series matchup. Right, because before that, he had not gotten a single steal. And uh, it looks like the last three games before the postseason started. So I just saw that number and I was, you know, that's an outlier. When you have five steals, that's a huge game. So I was just wondering, just talking out loud about some of the handicaps. But I do think that pertains to other defensive props. Oh, no question about it. I, I, I do think when it comes to when it comes to any playoff sport, we we want to bet the overs, we want to see a lot of points, we want to see, you know, that's just part of human nature and part of betting. We always see that. But it is important to remember that defense, hockey, football, basketball, whatever the sport is, tends to tighten up a little bit. And therefore, you don't want to bet anything blindly, but maybe look at unders or maybe look at maybe defensive metrics starting to get a little bit slimmer during the postseason. Let's go to game two, Western Conference first round, where the Kings lead the series 1-0 over the Warriors. We've seen a flip here in the favorite. The Kings open up as favorites. Now it's the Warriors laying a point and a half. The Warriors minus 115 on the money line. The Kings minus 105. And the total set at 239 and a half. So the total opened at 240 at BetMGM. It has come down a half point. I, I want no part of this total. I mean, yeah, I guess the under is the right side because it's such a high number. But God, do you really want to bet on an under when it comes to Warriors and Kings? I know I don't. Absolutely not, because both these teams can bomb away from the three-point line. But doesn't this feel like a gut-feeling play when it comes to a money-line play? Just that the Warriors are kind of in a desperate spot. Last game was very back and forth. I feel like it could have gone both ways, but this is a game that the Warriors absolutely need to win. Like, it's not a must-win game. I'm not going to call it that, but don't you think that the urgency is ratcheted up when there's a possibility that you can go down Two games to none? I feel like (laughs) the Warriors bounce back here. I think so, too, and there's a couple reasons why. Number one is, look, Sacramento's a very good team, and I don't think them beating the Warriors in game one was a fluke by any stretch of the imagination. This is a very good Sacramento club. But also, if you're going to beat anyone, if you're the Kings, you got to outscore them. Their defense is not good. And against most teams in the NBA, they have the offensive talent to do that. That's why we're seeing a total of 239 and a half. This is what the Kings do. They go up and down the court. They score a lot of points. They beat you in different ways, but they don't play a whole lot of defense. So this is going to be a very close series throughout. However, I also think this is a great spot for the Warriors because if you look at their playoff history, in their last nine games coming off a loss in the postseason, the Warriors are 9-0. and oh. And so this is generally, from what we've seen in the past, where Golden State tends to fare very well. And also, Sacramento does not really do a good job. They actually do a very poor job of defending the three-point shot. And as we know, the Warriors can absolutely light it up from deep. Andrew Wiggins will have another game under his belt, and he was not good from long range in his return. If he improves upon that, I I just think this is a good spot for the Warriors to bounce back. All right, so sharp or square time? I'm going to throw out a player prop, and you tell me if it's sharp or square, because I don't know. It's the squares play in the book, 
but I feel like it might hit. Steph Curry over his three-pointer prop. It's four and a half minus 135. Doesn't it feel like he makes five threes or is this super square? Oh, I mean, it's definitely square, but yeah, you know, but I mean, there's no question. It's square. But here's the thing. Sometimes the square side is the right side. And here's what I think goes into this play. And please tell me if I'm wrong. Isn't it just if any guy is going to step up after a loss, it's going to be Steph Curry, right? Especially if you think the Warriors will win this game, and I do, and you think about game script, how is this game going to go down? Don't you think Steph will step up here? One would think, and especially because the matchup is good already, this is a Kings team that is not good at defending the three-point shot. Steph Curry had six threes in the first game, and also this game is way more urgent, I think, than the first game. They got to win this one. And plus, we've seen Steph Curry's minutes kind of limited, not super limited. I think he played 37 mm -hmm. minutes. But still, if the Warriors are down in this game, don't you think Steve Kerr may let Steph Curry ride it out just a little bit longer than 37 minutes? So I think the opportunity is probably going to be there. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.